Kura, this program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Wellington Access Radio, make your voice heard. And welcome to our August edition of No Labels. And our guest today is someone who's been on the show a few times before. Um, and today we're going to be focusing on his role and the organisation he works for. And so, Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks, Thomas. Nice to be with you today. Yes, and so Richard Richard has been, I guess, for me anyway, um, and others in the community, the real cornerstone foundation, I guess, um, anchor for Arts Access Aotearoa for a number of years. And so I thought it'd be great for Richard to come on and tell us a bit more detail about what his role is, what Arts Access Aotearoa does, some of the upcoming events. We'll have a um, couple of um, songs that Richard's going to introduce for us. Yeah, and so quite a, um, hopefully an informative session and people will learn a lot more about Richard. So Richard, what can you tell us about your role in Arts Access Aotearoa? Thomas, it was very nice of you to talk about me being an anchor of Arts Access Aotearoa. I've, I've actually only been there 11 years, uh, so that's very nice. But we were founded by a visionary New Zealander called Penny Eames, who you know from yes. old. Um, Penny established Arts Access in 1995, along with our founding chair, Mel Smith, uh, and for a very good reason, because the there was the need. Uh, access to the arts was not being funded in its own right, um, and so Penny saw the need. She was working for Creative New Zealand at the time and was able to convince them to split away a not-for-profit uh, that she established. And um, I've always said that the founding document um, that was written by the original trustees is something that's been in a fantastic guide for me and our trustees ever since and my staff that work with us now. The key thing is that all New Zealanders should be able to participate in and have access to arts and the culture of Aotearoa. So that means different things for different people. Uh, and for people who are blind and low vision, there's the obvious barrier of not being able to see, like people who can see, but the, there are many ways of being included in the arts and using your other abilities. So this is where, over the last... 10 years, I believe, um, we've had made great strides in the area of access, particularly around audio description. Very much mm. so. And, and, and you know, a lot of that, especially for you know, things like live theatre, museums, accessing you know, the live type events is very much down to the, the great work that Arts Access Aotearoa has, has done in that space. And obviously those, those who have been involved with that, um, you know, pr providing the, the audio description, the touch tours, and everything else that's made the arts more accessible. Yeah, so uh, touch tours and audio description um, has some great leaders. Nicola Owen in Auckland and uh, Judith at Te Papa. Yeah. Um, has made an incredible difference. Um, we re-followed their lead and promote 
audio description, Judith Jones, sorry, um, I meant to say, and uh, she is the works for uh, customer tours at uh, Te Papa. So what are we talking about with audio description? I'm sure your listeners will know, and it's really important for people who uh, aren't blind or who have low vision to know about the value of audio description so that they can tell people that they know who need that service that this is on and it's available at a particular institution like a museum, as you've said, or an art gallery or for live performances. In the United States and elsewhere, audio description happens all over the place on cruise ships and street festivals and libraries and all sorts of things. And it's, uh, it can be an everyday thing. It doesn't have to be super special. Um, but it's, uh, it, as long as the attitude of the institution or the organisation ha- includes audio description as an everyday thing so that more and more people who are blind can just expect that that's part of the service and that's their right to be able to access the same information or the same experience that um, people who are sighted and I guess we're we're also seeing a huge increase in live activities with um, sign language interpreting. Um, I think um, Circa had their pantomime. It was it might have been the end of last year where they had about 120 people come along um, who who were deaf or hard of hearing, which was an incredible turnout. Mm. So we're super proud of Circa. Um, that's why they received the Arts Access Award, the Creative New Zealand Arts for All Award in our Arts Access Awards this year. Circa have had a long history of being part of our Arts for All community. Arts for All is a program that we run around the country. It means that networks of people who are the managers, the trustees, the producers of venues where live theatre happens or music happens or in museums, and they gather together in meetups with people uh, who have a disability. And it's not rocket science, they just share what they need. Yeah. Tell us how to do it right. Uh, and you've been a member of those meetings in Wellington. <laughs> uh, so yes. It makes it, you know, what's it like for you when you get to speak to people who are making programming decisions? Well, exactly. I mean, so in our last episode, we actually had Circa on and we um, found out, you know, what the pantomime is coming up this year. And um, we, um, I just went to the Roger Hall's performance that was right. audio described. Um, yeah. But theatres like Circa and others, you know, without the input, without the, I guess, the support, the drive from organisations like Arts, Arts Access Aotearoa, you know, would be almost a voice sometimes in the wilderness. And and I think this is, um, to me, where I sort of see you know, Arts Access Aotearoa as being you know, a champion for all aspects of making arts accessible, whether it's someone who is blind, someone who is deaf, someone in a wheelchair. Um, and, you know, at the recent awards, seeing, you know, the huge input, the huge difference that arts were making to, you know, prisoners. And to me, you know, that's a huge achievement seeing so many people being recognised. And so that's a, a big event for you guys every year, those awards. And I'm really uh, privileged to actually go to those and, and just see the huge difference that that makes. 
Yes, every year, I suppose, because you are a very regular uh, guest um, and you can understand and get the sense of the growth of of the accessibility changes around the country. Um, so that's right, and it's pretty tricky when it comes to deciding on who's going to be receiving an award because more there are more and more events. That means more and more people are doing uh, good work. So you know, how do we line those up to be receiving an award? And some of the nomination process is a, is a very uh, fair one, but a, quite a tricky one because you've got to line everyone up and make sure that uh, everyone is understood really well. And that's why we have judges from the communities uh, peer reviewing the um, the different nominations, and some of them, as you say, come from the Department of Corrections, and that's because Arts Access, going back to our original founding that we were talking about when we started, our organisation is about fairness and access and inclusion for all New Zealanders, mm. for anyone who faces a barrier, and so that can be very much so people who are in the correction system pretty obvious barrier to anything if you're in jail yes. serving a sentence. So, but you're still a citizen and it's not a good idea if you come out of jail with more issues than you went in. Um, so a great thing about the Department of Corrections is that it enables community organisations to provide rehabilitation programs. And so you get lots of things like literacy, uh, numeracy, um, anger management, parenting, drug rehab, all manner of programs are running inside prisons and we're very pleased that to have a really strong relationship with the department to bring art programs into the prisons. Um, and they can be very varied too, from painting to drama to music mm. to sculpture. And a lot of it should be tikanga-based programs because of the an overrepresentation of Māori in the prisons. 52% of the population is Māori, but only 30% of the population of Aotearoa is Māori, so that's a real skew. So programs must be directed to assist Māori in their own and for their own culture. So that's something that uh, you saw and um, you heard um, represented at this year's Tūtanga Toy Arts Access Awards, didn't you? There were Very much so, Three awards that had a big Māori tikanga focus, so yeah. that was really, really great. Mm. And, and it was great to see the support there, you know, with Waiata, with um, Haka, you know, just recognising the, the huge difference that providing arts um, access to the arts had, had made. You know... Um, so much of what we do is advocacy and so much of what we do is modelling best practice, the mm. best way of doing things, and to be a role model for others. And um, one of my main leading role models is the former mayor of the Kapiti Coast, Jenny Rowan, and she went to an event one day that was very inclusive and uh, people were able to from different cultures and different uh, sexual preferences and different disabilities were all included. And after it, she said, this is what you get when you stand up for an inclusive society. Yeah. 
And I've always thought of that because be careful what you wish for, people. <laughs> you are We are banging on here and we're demanding change and we're modelling best practice and we're doing the having the conversations and pushing as we can. And then suddenly you turn around and there's an audio-described performance in your local theatre and you think, how did that come about? Yeah. Well, this is what you get when you work for and insist on an inclusive and accessible society. It's really great. It is. And I mean, I mean, I went to the ballet the other week and for oh. me as a blind person, I would never, ever think about going to the ballet and it had audio description. And... Mm. You know, the description before the ballet started about the various, you know... Um, what they're doing with their yeah, bodies. Yeah, exactly. And you. when someone says, you know... Why would you do that? Exactly. And it was such such great to... Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the music, but the audio description just gave it another layer um, and something that, you know... Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'll probably go back again, but um, I wouldn't have gone if there hadn't have been audio description. So, and and I assume you know it's the same for you know the deaf community, for um, you know autistic communities. If the environment isn't set right for you, then why would you go? Um, because it becomes you, too difficult. I'm glad you mentioned the Royal New Zealand Ballet. There, one of our lead champions in the area of audio description and inclusion through touch tours. Mm-hmm. It's really uh, fantastic. And I have a story to tell you about my relationship with that. Would you like to hear I'd it? love to, Richard. Well, it goes back to when I was a troubled youth. and uh, No, surely you I wouldn't heard. have been one of those. <laughs> you, well, it wasn't by my initial design, but I did lose my mother when I was 10, and then my favourite sister committed suicide when I was 15. So by 15, I was very angry, confused, and uh, yeah, those two things uh, used. And I was very interested in the arts and very good at drama and music and those types of activities. and I was searching for anything to make my life happier. And I was drawn to dance, the dance, and I was very drawn to ballet. And it's hard for boys to dance even now, but 40 years ago, um, even even harder. harder. Yeah. So I managed to get myself to be trained originally at the what was called the National Ballet School, uh, I used to sneak out of my boarding school and not tell anyone where I was going. And the director of the National Valley School, a wonderful woman called Dorothy Daniels, let me pay a dollar for a class with one of the senior boys of the school. Wow. I was never destined to be a great dancer or anything. I didn't have the uh, physical attributes but what it did was give me a great grounding in dance, and then I went on to be a, a drama teacher, and so I, I found my niche in the theatre, and dance was always part of the vocabulary that I had, and I always felt very grateful to Dorothy Daniels for giving me that access, that that belief that I could be included as a wayward kid, and she just said, come along and, you know, stand in the back and just join in. And 
uh, and don't miss out. And I think with role models like that, um, it's it's kind of it's really quite wonderful for me because now one of my closest friends is the director of the New Zealand School of Dance, Gary Trinder. And how bizarre is that? That all these years later, yes. I know him, and that I work with Pascal Parenteau with the Royal New Zealand Ballet Company to make sure that assist them with their program for people to be able to access dance and to be included in the ballet. And when you have been around the traps a few times and you realise that there's a connection here, it's really quite amazing. It is. And um, I was talking to Pascal um, just before the performance and so we're actually hoping to get her on the show to talk about what they're doing in the, in the art space and making it more accessible for... Well, that would be a great conversation yeah, to have. Yeah, lovely lady. I, I managed to spend just only a few minutes talking to her, but you could sense the, just something special about talking to her. And well, what happens in our area is that we might start something, but then very quickly uh, people take up the reins, and then we end up following them. And Pascal... Is yeah. someone we definitely follow, you know, quite breathlessly sometimes. She's, she moves very fast and gets a lot done. Yes. Now, Richard, you've got it. Uh, what's your first song you want to introduce for us this afternoon and why? Oh, well, this, I've already shown you my age uh, by saying 40 <laughs> years ago. So I, I, you asked me to choose two songs yeah. for today, and uh, I was very influenced by uh, theatre and by musical theatre when I was younger. and. I always like musical theatre or theatre that has a strong message. Mm-hmm. And uh, so one of my favourite composers is Stephen Sondheim. And there is a sad uh, song called Send in the Clowns. Uh, and it speaks to anyone who's broken up with anyone who's trying to repair a relationship or who's learned over time what it takes to begin again. Mm. And it's a very deep self-reflection. And I think that uh, one of the greatest things that we can do is to be able to reflect on our own uh, issues and how we can be lifelong learners. And the song speaks to me very deeply in that regard. Totally get that. Um, it's a song that I certainly remember um, very much growing up and um, had lots of meanings for me later in life as well. So let's go with Sand in the Cloud. Clowns 
Isn't it bliss? Don't you approve? One who keeps tearing around, one who can't move. Where are the clowns? Send in the clowns. Just when I'd stopped opening doors, finally knowing the one that I wanted was yours, making my entrance again with my usual flair. Sure of my lines, no one is there. Don't you love the farce? My fault, I fear. I thought that you'd want what I want. Sorry, my dear. But where are the clowns? Send in the clowns. Don't bother. They're here. Isn't it rich? Isn't it queer? Losing my timing this late in my career. Well, great, lots of memories there. Um, so, Richard, uh, musical theatre, um, you mentioned a little about that, and I think that's something that we used to see, well, I certainly did um, back growing up in the 60s, where there were mm-hmm. lots of music theatres, there were lots of, um, and certainly in the, in the larger cities, and then we sort of moved away from it, but we've come back again almost in a in a circle where we're seeing a, a bit of a re yeah, a resurgence of it. Um, I, I see next year we're going to be having, you know, I could be wrong here, I think it might have been either Lamers or Phantom of the Opera coming to Wellington, um, mm-hmm. which will be we're great to see back in the St. James. So, um, 
yeah, so there's lots of that coming up. And I think something that you know, appeals to across a huge wide range of ages, um, you know, people who may not you know, follow that style of music will still go to it. The cool thing about music theatre and musicals, and there's a slight difference there, um, and is that for people who are blind, there is a story to be told. Mm. Uh, so you have drama at the essence of it, and then it gets picked up by music. And, of course, it's not a natural thing for people to sing while they're speaking to one another. But musical theatre and opera and uh, music theatre, it's a convention. And under the words comes this emotion that the music adds. So for people who... Are blind. I, I hope that there's uh, even more theatre going on because you get the added benefit of the music picking up on the emotion and the drama. Mm. So, uh, and if it's audio described, then you can follow the activity. So, yeah, I would say that uh, uh, more music theatre and music-based uh, drama and opera might be a good thing for people. Yeah. I think so, and, and I think we're all looking for you know lots of positive things these days with uh, one thing and another happening with COVID yeah. and, and the like. Mm. Just yeah. So, Richard, what's coming up for Arts Access Aotearoa in the next sort of you know six to twelve months? You know, you always seem to have lots of things happening, but what are some of the sort of highlights that some of our listeners might be interested in hearing about? Well, we talked about the Arts for All community, the Arts for All network. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to see more growth in that area. So we're, we have uh, five networks uh, that I talked about earlier where producers and venue managers get together with people with disabilities and discuss to improve the accessibility of uh, entertainment, arts, experiences, opportunities in their region. So we've got them in Auckland and Taranaki, Wellington, Canterbury and Otago and now we've started out a new satellite in the Hawke's Bay which is getting going I'm really pleased to say so anyone in the Hawke's Bay we hope that they can connect to the arts for all community uh, there through us through Arts Access Aotearoa if they want to be in touch and we want to see more opportunities for people in the Hawke's Bay region and that's into the uh, into the hinterland there as well. These networks and therefore the activities will increase when there's more demand, and it's really helpful when people advocate and say to their local producer or their local museum, well, why haven't you got this? Hmm. What's happening in Wellington? Why isn't it happening here? And that means, you know, everyone listens should be listening to uh, the demand of their customers and their communities. So that's how we can get growth that way. The other area that we're always working on is to help disabled people have access to their own creative careers. Excuse me, I'm just going to have a little cough. It's <coughs> right, it was into my sleeve. Um, so if you're blind and you want to be in a theatre production 
or any artistic activity. If you want to sculpt or paint, why not? What would that be? And how would you do that? So the the important thing is that uh, people who have an impairment can and could move forward and take steps to be involved in an activity. So we would expect that eventually there would be more funding pathways for disabled people to have a career. At the moment, uh, people who are disabled who want to be funded to do an arts activity can apply to the likes of Creative New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would like to see... Uh, more ring-fenced or focused attention to funding for disabled people. And that's what we're talking to Creative New Zealand about. Right. And, and I think, yeah, it is great to be able to access the arts, but it's just as important to be able to participate as well. And I think there are lots mm, of people probably. within the disability community. We see, you know, um, Dancing with people in wheelchairs, there's you know mm-hmm. lots of people involved in painting, sculpting, etc. So it's really great to see that and and trying to encourage it even more so. Can I describe to you a beautiful artwork that I saw that's very popular in San Francisco by a blind artist? Mm-hmm. Do please do. Um, people may have heard of this type of uh, activity before. Um, the artist that I saw and met at the Creative Space Studio uh, in Oakland, uh, outside of San Francisco, had a polystyrene head. So a head made of polystyrene, mm-hmm. which usually has a wig put on top of it. Yeah. But this polystyrene head was the artist placed small pins into the head uh, in ways that were known to the artist. They had colours and shapes placed in front of them and the artist decided what mosaic, what pixelated, what groupings of pinhead colours would go, what textures, what colours would go all over this head. So the artists knew exactly what they were doing because they had their own interpretation of colours and their own interpretation yep. of the of the mood they wanted to create or the atmosphere they wanted to convey. And this was these works are for sale and they're totally beautiful and they have their own story behind them. And the artist totally is that's their work. Yeah. Uh, so that's an example of. Um, how with the right assistance um, people who are low vision or blind can be involved in even like that that really is a, a multimedia work yeah mm. very much so what that's it certainly sounds like something that'd be really great to be able to see feel um, and the touching is really beautiful because it wasn't they weren't always just round little buttons, they were different shapes and feeling. Um, So there are creative spaces around New Zealand and people can get in touch with a creative space through Arts Access Aotearoa and creative spaces, if you don't already know, are independent studios or organisations that it's usually free to access. 
arts activity and participate in something. If it's your thing, uh, go along and uh, they'll include you and find a way to help you be involved in the arts community. And people go along very regularly and they really love it. Sounds great. And I know we've we had um, one of the studios on, it might have been a couple of years ago, and I know a number of disabled people um, went down and um, you know participated and got involved with art because of it. So um, it's always... Oh, well, here we go. Maybe we can do another plug. Exactly. Because here's the thing. Uh, a thing you asked me about growth and what's changing. The other thing I wanted to talk about is that we're super pleased that... Uh, government has recognised the value of creative spaces as a sector that brings opportunities and well-being to our communities. And there is a fund for three years called the Creative Spaces Initiative, which is funding, providing more funds for creative spaces to have more tutors uh, hold the jobs in that sector. And so the creative spaces can do more outreach so there might be a place already in existence, but they want to. They know there are more people out there. They want to reach them, bring them in, or go to them. And so we're super pleased that under this government we're getting that sort of extra funding for the creative spaces sector. It's been a very exciting uh, development. Mm. That sounds really great, Richard. Now I understand also, without trying to be. Um, without putting you on the spot and being too personal, but I understand there was a bit of an award handed out um, a little while ago. I'm wondering if you'd like to oh, share uh-huh. with our listeners oh, about yeah. this award that um, you it's received. Some very kind person who, who I will never know because you're not to know who your nominee is, uh, nominated me for a... Uh, it's called the... Uh, Order of New Zealand Merit, um, and that's for me. Uh, so I was acknowledged in that way, and it was really a bit gobsmacking to find that out that that was going to happen. And what it was for was for my work in service to access, increasing access to the arts. So um, I'm happy to receive it, knowing that this is a huge team job and that um, the award gives more recognition to the people that I'm working with that are the champions, that are the people who are pushing this work out and also pulling it to them so we get the expansion that we want um, and it was uh, it was very flattering but um, and actually very humbling yeah. um, and now uh, we just need to get on and do more because of it. Exactly. And so, Richard, you haven't always been, obviously, at, at Access Aotearoa. So where else were you before then? What other sorts of work have you done? Cause, um... Well, spookily enough, it's it, it, Arts Access was in my very early career. Um, once I trained to... I, I lived in Australia. I was born in Wellington, but I lived in Australia for a long time. And I did my university degree there and specialised in drama and education to be a high school teacher. And there was a lot of theatre and a lot of directing and acting involved in that. But I pretty soon recognised that I wanted to do drama and apply it for social change or well-being or uh, mental health, because that's the nature of the very good course that I was able to do through a college called Rusden, which is now part of Deakin in Melbourne. 
the whole point of that is that by working in role with people or directing them in a work, whether it be a dance or a drama or a radio play perhaps, that you can travel inwardly or outwardly, you can extend your skills, your mental well-being and advocate for an issue, but all around be included. So that was my beginning and I was able to do that first and quickly became an artist in residence in what were then large psychiatric hospitals. And there was one called Arundel in Melbourne that I worked in with a colleague. We were the artist in residence there. And then I was able to take that message to other hospitals and then up to Queensland before I came back to New Zealand in, in 1990. And then, um, and then I worked briefly at uh, Sunnyside Hospital in Christchurch doing uh, drama in the forensic unit there. And then, then I changed my career for quite a while, but then eventually came back to what was Arts Access Aotearoa, but I started off with Arts Access in Victoria. Quite right. a full circle. Yeah. Isn't it funny how life sort of does that quite often? We we start off on a particular path and um, have a few, it's a bit like the, mm. the railroad tracks, we change change points and head off in a slightly different branch line and then we come back to almost um, onto that main line again. Well, that's absolutely what's happened to me and I haven't always felt that uh, my career was making any sense, but by staying with yourself and following what you believe in and what your talent, where your talents are, uh, eventually a pattern or, a, as you say, a full circle might and can does come about. Uh, it's certainly been the case for me. And I say to a lot of young people or younger people um, to believe in yourself, believe in your your interests and what you're really good at. And even though you might be moving from one thing to another, when you look back, there is actually a through line and nothing is, no job, no experience is ever wasted. Everything adds up to the wisdom and the skills that you can carry forward. Exactly. Kind of compounds, really. Yeah. yeah, no matter what it is we do, we, you know, it's always a learning opportunity. Mm. And, and, yeah. Yeah. Well, Richard, thank you for coming in today um, and joining us via phone. Now, we've got one song to play before we go, but can you tell us, just in case anyone is wanting to make contact and um, find out, what's the best way to get in touch with Arts Access Aotearoa? Well, our phone number is 04802 4349 and we're Arts Access Aotearoa and through the internet you can send us an email, or make us, or give us a call. Great. Hey, look, thank you, Richard. Now, what what song have you chosen for us to go out on today? Well, I thought we'd be a little bit positive. Um, it's a COVID-19 era, so we need to keep our uh, strengths up and our heads high in spite of things that would pull us down. And earlier today, we've talked about the value of an inclusive society and including people in the arts and making sure people are strong in their communities. And I've always liked the Tikitane song, uh, which tells us um, that everyone is welcome here. And I chose this one because it was the theme of Def Aotearoa's 
NZSL Awareness Week uh, three years ago, uh, and I got to be in it. There was a flash mob, and uh, it was really good to <laughs> sing along with the Tiki Tane uh, Welcome Here song. Right, so let's go out with Tiki Tane. Thank you, Richard, for coming in today. Pleasure. Thanks. Thanks very much. Tim. Thanks.
That program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.